If you would, please take your Bibles and turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. I know this month has been paying it forward, doing an act of random kindness, and uh, really making a difference. But today it's about unity and humility, the joy of thanksgiving. The purpose of the Philippians, or the, the book of Philippians, that came from Paul, was the primary aim of the letters to offer sincere thanks to his beloved converts for their gifts to him. But there are also another a number of secondary objectives. He seeks to ally their fears for him by informing them of his prison conditions. He explains Epaphroditus' premature return home and having been informed by Epaphroditus of the discord between Eudias and uh, Sintiq, he urges the church to live in Christian harmony and he cautions them about their enemies and generally encourages them in the Lord. Then also the theme of it, the basic theme of the apostle is joy. I love that. The idea of rejoicing is found 16 times appearing in noun forms and verb forms. There is ample basis for this theme throughout the letter. There is joy in suffering, for through it God accomplishes good. There is joy in the sacrificial giving of oneself and of one's goods, meet the needs of others, and to do God's will, thus following Jesus' example. There is joy knowing Christ and experiencing His resurrection power. And there is joy when harmony prevails among the brethren. And there is joy over the adequacy of Christ, which produces contentment for every circumstance of life. And there is greater enjoyment in shopping when all the wheels of the shopping cart turn the same way. I cannot stand. Isn't that just irritating? Do you lose your joy? I just have to tell you. You know, there was one time I was shopping on Good Friday, and I had all the... I, I started pushing the cart. And, you know, you're going like this the whole time you're pushing it, and I'm thinking, what is going on here? Well, one thing that I hated was that front right wheel going like that the whole time. There's nothing that irritates me more. And then we all do this. Okay, I don't want to walk clear back to the front of the store, so I'm just going to change my position from the back of the cart to the front of the cart. Let me see if that will help. Nope, because now before long your body's going like this as you're walking through the store. So what do we have to do? We have to walk back to the front of Target. I didn't say that other word. And... uh Okay, Walmart. And then you walk all the way back up there because, see, Target carts don't do that. Just Walmarts do. And uh, so, anyhow, uh, you know, you walk back to the front of the store and you get a cart and all of a sudden all four wheels are cooperating. Whew. That just made my whole shopping experience a lot better. And speaking of a shopping experience, how many of you went out? You know, this kills me. It's not Good Friday. It's Good Thursday. How many of you are out Thursday night at Walmart? Go ahead. Admit it. Confess your sins one to another. Okay. I, we went. That was unbelievable. There were people everywhere. And I have to tell you, there was three carts that were lined up behind each other. This is just an advertisement I'm just sharing with you, okay? And uh, my ADD kicked in. But as they were pushing the carts... 
I had to stop, and I told my wife and my girls, I said, the only reason we're here is to be, because see, we're the audience. I just love to watch people. So if I could have, if there was like uh, bleachers, I probably would have taken my place and just sat down and watched people act crazy. And uh, so anyhow, as I'm walking by, I was looking at their car going, you've got to be kidding me. So my wife was talking to somebody, and I'm counting the DVDs. Ready? Don't be alarmed. But there was a special at Walmart on DVDs. They weren't $10 a piece. They were $5 a piece. And you know what that meant? That I have to buy 75 of them. So I'm going to grab all of them and stick them in my cart. And I'm not exaggerating. To be exact, there were 72 that I counted in her cart. Little does she realize that if she visits the DVD section, you can buy those same DVDs for $5 any time of the year. But because they had a big balloon that said they were $5, she had to grab all of them. And the lady behind her had to grab 52. And the one behind that had to grab 32. I said, what is up with this whole shopping thing? I mean, it's crazy. And 72, 73 DVDs? Oh, I got exhausted just watching. So finally we made our rounds around the store and I did not have a cart that did not work. But I will tell you this. When you do have something that works and a cart that works, you can complete the mission by which you ended up going to the store for. We go there and we have something in mind. We have a vision. We have a goal. And all of a sudden, we grab that cart and we head towards that area by what or by which we need. I love what Paul was concerned. He was concerned for the church of Philippi. For they were in danger of losing the fundamental Christian perspective of joy. Furthermore, the lack of unity in the church was preventing Paul from experiencing joy as fully as he should. Lack of unity in any local church will prevent you and I from experiencing full joy. And I'm not preaching this today because there was a lack of unity or something like that. And some of you are going to go, Ooh, is something going on at New Hope that I don't know about? No. But I'm just letting you know that I'm just preaching the whole counsel of the Word of God. And I want to talk about the joy of being unified. And the joy of being together as one body. So four points to this morning's message. One, our joy is inaugurated when we are united with Christ. Two, our joy is completed when we unite with one another. Three, our unity is strengthened through humility. And four, our humility is rooted in the mind of Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Let's go ahead and read that together. That's Philippians 2, 1 through 11, as Christ talks about humiliation and exaltation. There be therefore any consolation, if there be any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation or comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies. Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem each other better than themselves. Look, not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God 
but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion or being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above, a more excellent name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's go to him in prayer. Our precious Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and we're grateful, Father, for your word. We're grateful, Father, that we can experience the joy of thanksgiving, but Lord, more importantly, to be unified and, and to be uh, have a humble spirit and a humble heart to come before you, Lord, as a group of people and as a body to do our work for you. Thank you for this church and for the members that are here. Thank you for our wonderful friends, our guests that are here today. Father, reach down, touch their hearts and their lives. And Father, make it worth all of us for being here. Thank you for your holy word. May be spoke and revealed today. Lord, hide me behind the cross. And Lord, lead us all to the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our joy is inaugurated when we are united with Christ. Verse 1 of Philippians 2, which we just read, said, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies. Love what it says. The theme of joy has been introduced. I'm going to take you back to Philippians 1, verse 4. And it says, Always in every prayer of mine for you all making request." With joy. Then if you look over to verse 18, it actually says, What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and I will rejoice. And then verse 25 of Philippians chapter 1 says, And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance, for your progress and joy of faith. This joy was the result of partnering for the sake of the gospel. With the prospect of suffering for Christ, Paul turned to mention the resources that are available in Christ to persevere in the Christian life. The resources available from the triune God include encouragement in Christ, comfort from love, fellowship in the Spirit, affection, and sympathy. These are the results of union with Christ. Union with Christ comes by faith in His atoning work on the cross, making us right with God, and this is the beginning of joy. Isn't that amazing? He said there that we need to come together and encourage one another. We are united with Christ when we take on Bowels of mercy and affection and love. This week, delivering turkeys and delivering food baskets, there's no greater joy than to give to somebody, to help someone. Have you ever been in a situation where you're driving down the road and you see someone on the side of the road and you've passed them? There's just something in your gut that just goes, 
And you think to yourself, why didn't I just stop? Because there's great joy in helping somebody. Then when you whip that car over and you slam on those brakes, you get out of that car and say, can I help you with something? And there's no greater joy when you hear, oh, I got somebody on the way. (laughs) I mean, it's the truth. And we all go, but we did it. We feel good now. Because you know what? It was God putting you in a place where you were just willing to give of yourself. God always makes opportunities available for all of us to do what? To minister. To serve. Many people, even Christians, live only to make a good impression on others or to please themselves. But selfishness or empty conceit brings discord. Paul therefore stressed spiritual unity, asking the Philippine, Philippians, the Philippines, oh, wow, I've added something else to the Bible. The Philippians to love one another and to be one in spirit and purpose. When we work together, caring for the problems of others as if they were our problems, we demonstrate Christ's example of putting others first and we experience what? Unity. Don't be so concerned about making a good impression or meeting your own needs that you strain relationships in God's family. We lose sight. I love that there are signs in our community that say this. Come and make an ornament with us. Come and be a part of a community outreach. Would you just take a little box and would you wrap it up and Would you like to make a difference? I was telling Renee this past week, one thing I love about Operation Christmas Child is it brings all denominations because, see, it wasn't about, and and I know some of them know that you will receive the gospel of Jesus Christ before that little boy or girl receives a gift. But do you know we had religions and denominations coming from all over to deliver boxes? From the public school system. So take that. Satan. Can't pray. One nation under God. All that other good stuff. But isn't it awesome that some of the FCAs and some of the great young people that are godly Christians within the school system got together and delivered 50 boxes? What they're doing is they're enjoying that joy of giving. And that's where we're we're about to embark upon the greatest season of the year. Christmas where we show that joy of giving. But when we hold back and hold tight to everything we have, it's uncomfortable. I don't want to stand around with my hands in my pockets all the time. I want to give. I'm not talking monetarily. I'm talking of your life. I know that those that worked with Operation Christmas Child this past week, me, me, Renee, and Becky, and We were all out back going, not another box. Because we're tired. We're exhausted. And I think just Monday we received 300 boxes. 350. (laughs) I don't know. It was nonstop in this place from 11 o'clock to 1. We were unloading car after car after car. It was exciting. But in our spirit, i got to tell you, our flesh is like, okay, we're up to 1,601, 1,602. You know, I mean, you just keep counting But you know what? There's no greater joy than knowing we can give. And we're giving back. That's what I love about New Hope Christian Nepali Fellowship. We are here as a community of believers 
of my brothers and sisters in the Lord that may have a barrier that divides them from us by a language, by a word called English. But I'm thankful for Pastor Dahl, for Benod, for Ganesh, for the elders within that community of believers that come, that are no longer bowing down to a false idol, but are worshiping the living God. Isn't that awesome? Every time I see someone from the Poly Fellowship come, I know that they've come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And now there's life within Him. Giving. Our joy is inaugurated when we are united with Christ and then too. Our joy is completed when we unite with one another. I love 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 says, Finally be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be tender-hearted, be courteous, that you should inherit a blessing. Isn't that amazing? We always, we always go to that verse that says, Be kind, tender-hearted with one another. But we never see down there because we're always talking about giving, but it says that you'll receive a blessing. Church, I would just like all of you to know, and I'm making an announcement today, you will never, ever, ever outgive God. Because my father owns a cattle on a thousand hills, and he can bestow more love and mercy and grace and favor on your life than you can count on your fingers and your five little toes. That's how great my God is. Per foot. Thank you. All right. And for those that listen on iPod or tape, that was ten toes. Just thought I'd make that correction. Thanks for my wife. And uh, verse 2, it says this, Fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. I love like-minded. That says living in harmony. Here Paul made his main statement, complete my joy by being what you should be. He says there, manifest the fruit of your union with Christ. So I looked up the word manifest. The word manifest could mean expression or indication or demonstration or an explanation. I thought, wow, if I can manifest the fruit of my union with Christ, then people can see that I am expressing the love of God to other people. Isn't Paul awesome? Paul, the greatest missionary preacher who ever lived. God blessed him. He was a hater, then became a lover of God. Now, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And then... Once the Holy Spirit manifested Himself upon Paul, He was able to express that same love towards mankind. All about His Father. All about God. Church, together, if we're one mind, one likeness, then we come together and we manifest the Spirit of God. And we let the communities know and people around us know that God is real and He lives and dwells within us. Bear the realities of encouragement, comfort, fellowship, affection, and sympathy in your lives. The counterparts of verse 1 now appear in verse 2. 
And it says of what? Be of one accord, of the same mind. Having the same love of one flesh, of one mind. Pictured here is a union of mind and soul much like that of a husband and wife. It is an organic union. It is a holistic union of mind and flesh. Turn with me, if you would, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to read in verse 12. And we're talking about you as the body, you as a union. And some of you can say I've referenced this before and I've seen it. But for others that have not seen it, this is why we're a church and we're the body of Christ and it has many members. But we all come together in unity, unite with one another. Verse 12, for as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. So did you see in God's word it says, if we're all of one body, we're all of Christ. And we continue, for by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but it's many If the foot shall say, because I am not thy hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? The ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? The whole body were an eye, where were were the hearing? The whole were hearing, where were the smelling? Now in my terms it says this, now listen, if you're the nose or you're the ear or you're the mouth, you all have a part, you get it? That was my interpretation for you. Verse 18, But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, but yet but one body? Now I cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. Those members of the body which we think to be less honorable Upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts and our unattractive or unpresentable parts have more abundant comeliness or more modesty. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered. What it says there, God has composed the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another." Whether one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Ephesians chapter 4. Turn, if you would, please. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 7. Ephesians 4, 1 through 7. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all loneliness and meekness and long suffering, forbearing one another. What? What's it say in love? Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Isn't that awesome? Many of us have different giftings. 
Many of us have different attributes and characteristics. But here's what God said in His words true. But it takes every single one of you, every one of you to do your part within the church. It takes all of us to come together as we unite with one another to do what God has accomplished us to do. What does that mean? That we all have the same values and the same goals. And that we're moving forward for the same reason. How many of you want to see souls saved? Say amen. How many of you want to see souls changed? Say amen. That's why we're here. Jesus Christ said duplicate. Pay it forward. Make a difference. You could say this too when you pay it forward. Just freak people out. Men today in, their, in the, the small group uh, discipleship class for the King's Knights. But if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall be salted? For you are the salt of the earth. We discussed that. We have a specific reason. Why are you salt? Salt has a flavor to it and a seasoning. It has different reasons why we use it. And God wants you to be used. Right, young people? Yes. And so by that being said, we all have a reason why we're here and why we worship the Lord. And as we move forward this morning, we're going to notice our unity is strengthened through humility. Sometimes God humbles us to a place where then He can finally say, I can use you right where you're at. Let's look at verses 3 and 4. Let's go back to Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. And it says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. In our wedding services, we often say this exhortation. What God has joined together... Let no man put asunder. I could not wait till I was licensed and I became a big boy in the, in the preaching world and I could say, <laughs> what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. I just thought that was like something big for me. You know, I used to say it when I was a, a teenager as a little boy and I'd make Tracy dress up and she was marrying a ghost. But anyhow, I just wanted to stand up there and say, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Okay, Pastor, now that you said all that, what are you trying to say here? This quote actually comes from Matthew chapter 19, verse 6. That isn't just something we pastors have made up. But in our text today, verse 3 and 4 say the same thing. Do not do anything to destroy or undermine the unity you have in the Spirit. Hmm. Paul recognized that the key to joy consists in shifting our attention away from ourselves and onto the needs of others. Verse 3, emphasized, and we'll notice the inner motives of what Paul was trying to say. Our motive ought to be driven by a perspective that values others higher than ourselves. Verse 4 then talks about the outer actions that flow out of the inner motive. If your motive is self-advancement, then you will do things for your own interest. If your motive is driven by humility, then you will look to the interest of those above you. But Matthew Chapter 11, verse 29 says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek. What that means is I am gentle and I am humble and lowly in heart. 
and you shall find rest unto your souls. Take my yoke. Be more like me. You'll be strengthened when you come together as husband and wife. So many couples have stood right here before me as they're getting married. And I'll say, please repeat this vow after me. Please repeat this covenant or this commitment to one another. And we start off with this couple that's right here saying, I do and I will and I now so promise. But isn't it amazing how Satan all of a sudden comes into our lives and he twists our perspective of what marriage is all about? Because all of a sudden, now that same commitment and covenant that you made before God the Father, before your family and friends, and that unity that that husband and wife had all of a sudden was broken. Why? Because Satan came in like a roaring lion, took apart that family, ripped it to shreds, and distorted their vows between one another. Don't let Satan separate the unity and the bond. I will admit, and he does not get glory for this, but I will blame him, for the moral failures that people in seven years that we faced in this church. And some will say, Oh, pastor, you should have showed love and grace. He really didn't mean to break up that family. Well, you're a liar. Because Satan is a liar, he's a deceiver, and he, that's what his purpose was. You see, as the church moves forward in unity, and we all have the same goal and the same focus, and we're cruising through the store and in our cart, filling it full of God's grace and mercy and love, then all of a sudden we run into a shelf, things stop. And all of a sudden, things go flying out of the cart, and you fall, and people fall around you, and things fall off the shelf. Unfortunately, that's sometimes how the church is, especially when we're not in unity one with another. Love what Paul said. Coming together, loving one another, being of one mind and one accord. And if you stop for just a minute, most of you have been Christians for a lot of years, and some are newborn Christians. But you can actually agree with me by saying this one, one point. I have seen where there's been discord amongst church family. Why? Because we've all of a sudden did this. Okay, God, I'm going to do everything for you. I, I'm going I'm to have a humble spirit to all of a sudden, you know, I hold a position in that church. I'm a deacon. Matter of fact, I hold seniority around here, and I'm going to let everybody know about it. And then all of a sudden what happens? Pride creeps in, and the enemy takes full reign of your life, and then he just rips apart that unity that God has joined us together. Let no man, no person put us asunder. Let nobody separate that bond. I'm going to tell you this. If you wonder why I get so angry when I start to notice people backslide, because I know where we're supposed to be in the church. And I know where unity is supposed to be at. I'm going to get angry because it makes God angry. All of us 
need to come to a place where we can come with unity, with love for one another. Walk up to that person and say, what have you been doing? What's going on in your life? What is separating you from the love of our Father? Oh, God forbid that happen. A church split would happen over it. Let me tell you something, church. God wants us to be accountable to one another. And He wants us to love one another and to take care of one another. If you think for one minute, does it grieve my spirit when I notice there's some empty seats? And I know where some are at. And I know where some should be. And it ain't St. Mattress. It's in the house of God. And that's where all of us should be. Growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord. Let's continue. An old Puritan quote says this, In the primitive times, there was so much love among the godly as it set the heathen a-wandering. And now there is so little as may set Christians a-blushing. We've lost it. We blush now because we've lost our godliness. We've lost our relationship with God the Father. Let me tell you something. If you were Paul and you were put in a little room that was a four-by-four cell, which back then they were put in a hole in the ground, but if you were put in a hole or you were put in a cell, it sure would change your perspective. And I know who you'd be crying out to, God Almighty. Because He's the only one that could save you. How sad we've lost it because of pride has creeped in but yet we need to realize that unity is strengthened with and through humility. And this brings me to my last point. In verses 5 through 11, it says our humility is rooted in the mind of Christ. Verses 5 through 11, and then we'll conclude. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Verse 9, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The basis of our humility is demonstrated in the mind of Christ. He is the source of true humility because it is an attribute of God. Verses 6 through 11 form an ancient hymn of the New Testament church. The hymn is composed of two main sections, one of humility and one of exaltation. Paul's main purpose in quoting this hymn was, however, to present us with the mind of Christ so that we might model our manner of life after His, a mind of humility like Christ. And that will promote unity in Christ. Turn with me, if you would, please, to John chapter 13. John 13, I want to read this to you. 
Jesus is speaking to his disciples and Simon Peter's there. And I love this because I really think this is the act of humility and love and compassion that should be demonstrated. It says this, you call me master. Now just stop for a minute. And when I read this, think of Jesus reading this and teaching his disciples. You call me master. You call me teacher and Lord. And you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Now, here is Jesus, and I want to demonstrate this for you. Here is Jesus, and he's with his disciples. And he's getting ready to show the ultimate act of humility and love and kindness for the twelve that were around him. And then there's Simon Peter, who says, I'll never deny, I'll never do this, that, and the other thing. And we know that he did, because Jesus looked at him right after he got done washing his feet and said, you know, before the cock will crow three times, you'll deny me. And so we know the story that that happened. But yet, at first, there was Simon Peter, and he's sitting back, and he goes, oh, you're kidding me. You're not going to wash my feet. You're not going to do that. Now, really, what was he saying? He was saying, I'm too proud to have you get on your knee. Because after that, Jesus looked at him and said, if you do not allow me to wash your feet, then you're not a follower of mine. And then this is what Simon Peter said. said, okay, wash my whole body. He said, no, take care of your own body. Oh, I'm not washing your body. I mean, don't take advantage of me. You see, do you guys, are you detecting what I'm saying here? It's pride. Pride creeped up within his heart. And Jesus, it says, that as he was washing his feet, that he set it down, and he lined up the disciples and he knelt down. And it says that he took the covering that was around him. He took it off and he washed the feet. What was Jesus trying to portray? That even the teacher, in order to show the glory of his Father, must bow his knee and serve. What a humble act. Most churches today don't wash feet, and some churches do. I know my upbringing, they had communion, and then they washed feet in the old regular Baptist or the free will Baptist. And, and so that was an act of humility. It was an act of showing that I'm humble. For some of us, we would say, there is no way if tonight was a feet washing ceremony, I would be in that church nobody's seeing my feet. I understand. But I know what Jesus was trying to portray. True humility. And here's what he said in James chapter 4, verse 10. He says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall what? Lift you up. Will you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord? Will you do your part? It takes all of us together 
Listen, church, when you think you've arrived, I'm reminding you, you haven't. Surprise! Just thought I'd shock you. You haven't. Because God still wants to do a work. There are seats in this congregation. There are seats around America that people have come so puffed up with pride that they go, I'll show him. I'm going to leave that church and I'm taking all my tithing with me. All $5.50. Really? Are you really going to act that arrogant? You have a job. Just saying. You have a responsibility. Just saying. But see, that accountability, it humbles us, doesn't it? It does humble us. And it's sad. But see, churches in America don't want that. Because we want to be the church of what's happening now. Don't make people accountable. Don't press on them just a little bit so that they grow. And I'm glad that God presses on me. And when Paul continues to speak and he gives his letters to Timothy and we see throughout the New Testament, what he's saying is, listen, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will exalt you to a place that you will not even be able to imagine what he can do in through your life. How many of you want to say with a, a great big amen, I want God to do something today in my life? Amen. We all are there. We're all at a place. Listen to this, a church conference, and then we'll conclude. Someone has imagined the carpenter's tools holding a conference. Brother Hammer presided. Several suggested he, he leave the meeting because he was too noisy, replied the Hammer. If I have to leave this shop, Brother Screw must go also. You have to turn him around again and again and again to get him to accomplish anything. Brother Screw then spoke up, If you wish, I'll leave. But Brother Plain must leave too. All his work is on the surface. His efforts have no depth. To this, Brother Plain responded, Brother Rule will also have to withdraw, for he is always measuring folks as though he were the only one who was right. Brother Rule then complained against Brother Sandpaper, you ought to leave too because you're so rough and always rubbing people the wrong way. Boy, I'm going to remember that one. In the midst of all this discussion, in walked the carpenter of Nazareth. He had arrived to start his day's work. Putting on his apron, he went to the bench to make a pulpit from which to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. He employed the hammer and then the screw. He used the plane and measured by the roar. He used the sandpaper and all of the other tools. After the day's work, when the pulpit was finished, Brother Saul rose and remarked, Brethren, I observe that all of us are workers together with the Lord. And that's what the church is about. Mark 10.45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered, or not to serve but to minister to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom. Jesus loved us so much that he stretched out his arms and he paid that price for us because he loves the church. And that's the joy of thanksgiving. That's the joy by which he gives. As long as you assert your rights, 
As long as you seek exaltation, as long as you are full of self, the church will have disunity and you will have incomplete joy. Just that is his only one will which will steer the cart wrong. It is but one person full of self which diminishes the joy we are to have in serving Christ. If there's no joy in a marriage or in a friendship, in worship, in work, in ministry, and being with God's people, we need to rediscover the starting place, which is good, old-fashioned humility. I hope you can say that today my mind is in Christ Jesus. That today I'm going to mirror the image of God. Because I love Him that much. It is Thanksgiving. I hope and pray that you're thankful for being able to have the attributes and the characteristics of Almighty God. Will you come together as a church with unity and humility and serve Him till He calls us home? Let's all stand as we pray. Our precious Lord and Savior, we come to you this morning. Father, we're humbled, Lord, that you've used us to make a difference in our community. Father, that we can be a lighthouse. And Father, right now you know in my thoughts and in my heart those that are not here today. Maybe that haven't been here. And Father, that you'll spark a little bit of a flame and ignite your love within them. Father, would you help all of us to have a heart and a mind that's like you. Father, as we come together as a church, Father, may we come in unity with one another to realize that, Father, it takes the whole body working together, but we can't do it by ourselves. But, Father, we can do it together. Thank you for the giftings that are here this morning. Thank you for the folks that have arrived. And, Father, today you were honored and you're glorified. And I want to say I love you with all my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength. Father, forgive me for my sins. But help me, Father, to have a mind that's like you. Father, today, if there's somebody here that don't know you as Lord and Savior, may they come and accept you as Lord. Maybe today there's someone here that is backslidden and maybe lost their focus in their, their quiet meditation and their quiet time together. Father, may you work in their heart. May your spirit be manifested within them so that we can see an expression of love. And Lord, as we take this time of reflection, may we be in an attitude of prayer. For Father, every day of our life, we're busy, but this morning, we can reflect upon you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truths from, that Paul spoke to the church at Philippi. Father, bless your church and your people. In Jesus' holy name, amen.